Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, John Padilla teaches on who God is as a father and how that can change us. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. So, my name is John. Most of y'all here know me. Um, and, yeah, it feels weird. Casey not being here, I'm not going to lie. It feels very weird, and just being around church, it's felt just weird, different meetings, just him not being there. But I'm excited for the rest that he's getting. He texted me like 10 minutes ago. He was like praying for you, so he's still like keeping eyes on stuff, sort of, but he is on sabbatical. Um, So if you think about Casey, pray for him. I love that guy. Most of y'all have known him. For years, and he's just outstanding person. Just pray for him. Pray that he gets rest. Pray that the Lord does just an amazing work in his heart during this time off. Casey's been on sabbatical, or he's been in ministry for ten years, and ministry is hard, guys. Like ministry is so hard for the, for those of you guys that are in ministry, whether vocationally or just serve. You know, it's hard. It's hard to. Keep your heart alive. It's hard to stay free from offense. It's hard not to get hurt from the church or all these different things. It's like, it's really challenging. And I'm not saying that's what Casey's going through, but it's challenging. And for Casey to be in ministry for 10 years is like, that's a huge deal. I was talking with Billy yesterday, and he told me that the average youth pastor in America only lasts nine months. So, like, that's like insane. You know, it's like you'll go to youth group and you'll see a guy super fired for the Lord for about six months. And then the last three months, he's like phasing out. And that's like, it's terrifying. So the fact that our pastor has been in ministry for 10 years, you know, doing this, seeing a couple different group of classes and especially our environment, gatekeepers, where like we have new people one week and another new people one week and it may be packed one week and maybe just five of us the next week. It's, it's insane that Casey's just been able to, like, last that long. So I was shocked. And I'm not saying that any, against anything about his character. He's an amazing person. But I was just, like, when Billy told me that, I was amazed, like, wow, like, only nine months a youth pastor lasts. Um, so quick side note, yeah, if you think about Casey, pray for him, you know, and just pray that the Lord would, do an amazing work in his heart. And today, like I said, instead of doing like a traditional preaching, I want to go through these notes. It's about 16 pages of notes. I added some of my stuff, some of this stuff's from Billy, some of this stuff's from Chris Gazzardo, who's a, one of our missionaries overseas now, another dude named Jack Frost, who teaches a lot on Father Heart of God. So it's like just an interlude of like all these OGs that just have so much revelation. And what's actually unique about this pair of notes is when I have nothing else to seek the Lord on, like, and I know that's, I know y'all know what I'm talking about when it's just dry. And like, I need to get in the word, but I don't know what to get in the word for. It's always brings me back to Father Heart of God. And whenever I'm struggling, it's always it's always a false 
you know, it's always a, a, a wrong mindset that I'm having as living as an orphan. And I always try to go back to these notes and go back to the fundament, fundamental truth of being a son, of God being a father. So I thought it would be really sweet, again, for us to just, you know, walk through these together, page by page, maybe have a little bit of dialogue. I might call for someone if they just share, you know, if you feel comfortable doing that. So let's start off. Father, heart of God. Uh, Someone tell me, I know this feels weird. Someone tell me, what do you know about Father, heart of God? Like what, 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 and then someone else tell me, what has like impacted you the most from having that revelation? I could start off and then someone else can go. What's impacted me the most has just been, you know, this, this comfort of knowing that someone is always presently with me and I'm not alone. And one of my biggest insecurities I've had pre-Jesus was this false mindset that I was alone and that no one was looking out for me and I had to fight to get it my own. So like that's been the greatest, one of the greatest revelations that I've got from this theme. Father, heart of God, the bottom line, we're just going to walk through these Father God wants us to come home to him in his love, which is a strange thought that someone wants some person, deity, a God, the God that made the universe, wants me, John, even though there's 7 billion people in the planet and even much more that have passed away and all these different people that are just not here in the planet no more. God wants me. My flawed self, the same person that be doing some shady stuff, you know, and God's still just so gracious, is like, God wants me, my flawed self. He wants me, and he doesn't just want me, he wants me to come home to him. He wants me to run to him and seek him. So the major, the major points of this theme, Father, Heart of God, is one thing that it's helpful for those of you that haven't really studied this theme. And something that was like super transformative for me is that we view Father, heart of God, we view God from the way that we view our natural Father. And what I mean by that, some of y'all know that because y'all have heard that, some of y'all don't. And that's like a light bulb. It's like, oh, light bulb. But um, when we think of the word Father, let's just take like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. When you think of father, and you, this is just a, I don't know what that word is called, but you don't answer this question. Rhetorical, right? Father, think of the first three different things that pop up in your mind. Some of y'all may be thinking distant, right? For me, my dad was distant. Some of y'all may be thinking loving because your, your natural earthly father was loving. Some of y'all may be thinking of a variety of different things. So just quick, quick little uh, exercise. When you think of the word father, think of the first three things that come to your mind. Just like 10 seconds. Just think about it. You don't have to write it down. You don't have to say it out loud. Okay, so what's crazy is that we view our 
our heavenly father by the way that we view our natural father. And for me, different, thanks, Martha. For me, some of the different, like, strongholds that I had to break out of was that my earthly father is distant. Or, for example, my testimony was that my father was not involved in my life at all. And I've had, I can count on my hand the amount of interactions that I've had with him via in person and via phone. So I've had to break free from those mindsets that, you know, my heavenly father is distant or that he actually cares and that he actually enjoys me and that he wants to be with me. So we carry these mindsets about, about God that stem from our heavenly father, if that makes sense. And that's like super transforming. So that's like a first step. If, if you want to grow in this area of understanding God's heart as a father, you first need to start with how do I view my earthly father? And then just, you know, go with the Lord and go in the prayer room and just write down, I see I, my father was distant. My father was not emotionally present. My father was not present at all. My father was all these, diff- all these different lies that we believe about our Heavenly Father. And um, so two, we're, uh, we're able to move out of spiritual orphans into the spirit of sonship through the continual meditation on the Word and encounters of our Heavenly Father. And what this means is that you will never understand fa- the Father heart of God. This is a continual subject that if you apply yourself to, you will forever get revelation on it. And that's why I said in the beginning, this pair of notes has been so instrumental for me because when I have nothing else to study, when the word seems dry and I haven't been studying my Bible plan and, you know, I haven't read it in like two weeks or whatever, like I know I can go back to the Father heart of God and get some revelation. I know that there's, there's some nugget of truth that I can get from going back to these notes. And, um, yeah, it's just just always something to learn about this subject. So what we have to shift our mind to is that Father God, point three, is really, A, he's the father that chooses you. He's the father that he singles you out in a group of people, and he's like, I want you. I want you, Micaiah. I want you. I want you. I want you. That is who God is. B, a father who doesn't judge you, but he accepts you unconditionally. You may have had a father that was super critical and he was, you know, he was a perfectionist and he wanted things to be not done, but done in excellence. So now you feel like, man, like if I'm not excellent in what I do, I'm not accepted. Well, father heart, like God, who he is, he is a person that he loves you unconditionally no matter what you do no matter what different sin or thing that you might hold shame to, he's a father that if you throw yourself to him in fullness, he will accept you for who you are, and he will accept you with open arms, and he will transform you into who you're meant to be. Father, and then another point is Father God. So these are truths that, like, this is who God is. This is who God is. And some of y'all may be reading these points, a, B, and C, and D, and be like, 
there just may be like a wrestle of this, like, man, God really enjoys me. Point C, right? Father God is really a proud, loving father. Then point D, Father God is really a spinning, dancing, and celebrating father. So he's, he's not just a father that's like, once you get to a checkpoint in life, it's like, oh, man, all right, I was supposed to be there. God, as soon as you do something that, that moves his heart, he's just celebrating. He's like, oh, man, like you did that? Like you really, like, wow, like you, you got an A in your test. Like that's God's mindset, which is just completely a mind set shift like he he is such a god that's so loving and celebrating and he's celebrating your victories which some for some of you guys that if you know if your heavenly dad wasn't really a dad that was really celebrating this may be like a challenge for you like i know for me and I, I mean i'm just i share from my heart for me my dad like i said he wasn't present so for me is doing something like, being great at something, like, academics was a thing that was expected of me. It wasn't a thing that was celebrated. So when I got a A in my test, and when I was an A, or I was, like, the best student in a class, it was, like, it was a thing where it was, like, oh, that's, you know, like, that, that just should have happened. But, so it's, like, it, it was a wrestle. I say that to say because it's a wrestle for me to accept that, like, Oh, like I'm actually celebrated. Like I'm worth, I'm worthy of being celebrated. I'm worthy of being praised, like from a, not from man, but from a father who wants to rejoice over my wins. Okay, there's some questions here. Let me see. So take a few minutes to ponder the following. And then you don't have to write it down because I know we're in tight quarters, but you could write them down when you, um, when you have time by yourself. Or you can now if you want. So let's just take a few minutes to ponder the following. How would you define father? We did that in the beginning, right? What are the first couple thoughts that come to your mind when you think father? And then two, so this is, this is helpful. Again, you don't have to do it now if it's like private. You can if you want. You have pens. So what I would do, I would write a line. And then on one side, I would put positive. And the other side, I would put negative, And I would write down what are... What are the positive words that I, that I get when I think father? And then the other side, this may be challenging for some of y'all, what are the negative words that come out as soon as I think father? And this may be like an eye-opening exercise for you. Because you may realize, like, dang, when I think father, I think this long list of different things that are bad. And that's where I was for a long time. And... They'll struggle with at some point. Cool. All right. And then you can keep doing that in your own time with the Lord and time away from here tonight. But some of y'all may have wrote things down on your list. We'll just say this because I've said it before, like distant. So you, you may think of the word father and the first word that comes to your mind is distant. And again, because we perceive our heavenly father as our earthly father, when a situation comes up, I'll give you a scenario. When a situation comes up, let's say, let's say you, you, 
went to college and got a full scholarship. You know, you, your first thought that you may have as you're like transitioning into that next stage of your life is like, oh man, like I have like, it, it's, it's, there's a distance. Like there's a distance as far as like, like God's not associated with my win. Does that make sense? So like, another, another example, I'm trying to like, I'm coming up with these examples off my dome, off the dome. But another, another word that you may think, you may think, let's say, when you think father and you think a negative association, you may think angry. That may be another thought that you think. You may think that dads are angry. You may think that heavenly father is angry. So let's say another scenario is you messed up in some circumstance. Let's say you did some sort of sin, and I won't go into what it, whatever it is. Your first thought that you may have about God is that God is an angry God because you perceive you perceive your heavenly father as a person that was angry and as a person that was critical whenever you messed up. Now, when you're trying to go to God for forgiveness, you're thinking God is just angry. You're thinking God is as angry God as like, how could you do that thing? How could you, you know, how could you? And what I'm trying to say through that exercise that you did, there may be a long list of mindsets that you have about your heavenly father that are not right. And I was just trying to kind of open your eyes to those things that it could be. And I would just challenge you, you know, on your time away, when you have time in private, in the Lord, in the prayer room, or doing your Bible meditation or whatever, do this exercise again. And, you know, do the exercise. What do I think about my Heavenly Father? Like, what are the first couple words that come to mind? So, let's skim through these notes. Uh, Let's go to point D. So point D right here. This is a good example. Hurt from a father or father figure can manifest later in life as a living as a spiritual orphan. This progression for me looked like like this for me. So example one, and then we're, we're on point D on page two. Negative effect. A spilled the milk and my dad yelled and cussed at me. The message received is I suck as I am. So you're a little kid, you spill the milk, your dad snaps at you and he, you know, gets angry that you spilled the milk. And what, what that's saying to you as a little kid is like, I suck, I'm a horrible person, I shouldn't have done that. And then point three, this lie develops in your brain that something is wrong with me. And then point four, you, the energy says that you have this fear of failure, rejection, because of this incident, right? So this, this incident happened when you were little where you would spill the milk, your dad snapped at you, and that moment in your life developed this lie that, man, I'm just a horrible person. That's crazy. And some of y'all that have like went through Wellspring or counseling, this, these sort of things come up. Like for me, there are just several different instances in my childhood or whatever, or even upbringing where things have happened and I believe certain lies about myself. Point five, right? So this, this deep fear that this person has is the fear of failure, rejection, and they have this desire to be known and loved. Point five is that they made a vow. So because they believe that they are rejected and that they're unlovable and they're not perfect, they made a vow to themselves, 
I will never make mistakes. I'll be perfect. So they try to combat the lie with a false identity. With like, oh, I'll be perfect in everything they do. And this all came from a stem from their interaction from their dad. Whenever that they spilled milk on the ground, you know, their dad snapped on them. And then now they have this mindset when they're 20 years old, I have to be perfect in every single thing that I do. And I'll give another example about myself. As you guys know, my dad wasn't present in my life. So growing up, I had this mindset that's like, no one's there. No one's there for me. No one, no one's, no one will ever be there for me. And people don't love me. Or these like different stems of things came out of that. And the way that I try to cover up that insecurity that I had, I like try to be the leader. I try to, you know, be in front. I try to be the best athlete that I could. I try to be the best, you know, the smartest person that I could. I try to be the most sociable person that I, that I could be. And it was all a mask that was covering this deep insecurity inside of me that I didn't think that I was lovable and I didn't think no one actually cared. So I fought for that intention. And that's crazy. Those all stems from lies that we may believe about God as Father. Let's go to the next page, page three. There's this curse placed in our generation to agree with the orphan spirit, to agree that there's no one, we don't have a father, that we don't have a heavenly father that's looking out for us and that we're all on by ourselves. There's like, and that's actually happening because there's not actual fathers in the home. Let's look through these notes. We're on page three. There's 16 of these pages. We're not going to get through them. Some of y'all may be like, oh man, he's only on page three. What is, it's fine. These notes, these notes were meant to bless you and they're meant, you know, for you to seek on your own time and really walk through them and study them. So page three, point A, says when you have the orphan mentality, you find comfort and identity in the following counterfeit affections. So you get your self-worth and identity from other sources from your heavenly father in heaven. So we've covered how, you know, we may believe these lies about our heavenly father. And then we've covered, like, there's different lies that we have. And then we've discovered this new thing for some of y'all in the room. Most of y'all knew this, but this thing called the orphan mentality. And the orphan mentality is when we're, we're not, we don't fully agree with what our heavenly father is saying about us. And the way that this happens is, you know, when, when you're living in the orphan mentality, you're trying to get your validation and fulfillment from primarily four different things. So you may find your validation and affirmation through possessions. And uh, that's, that's in like money. So there may be like, there may, there may be this emptiness in your soul that you feel from the lack of not having a father or a poor father or what the other different circumstances of not fully agreeing as, you know, our, what our Heavenly Father says about ourselves, that there's this thing in us where we may feel validated by having a lot of money, by having $10,000 in our bank account, by we may feel a sense of fulfillment from possessions or we may feel a sense of fulfillment from having a house or having these material things. So if you struggle with that, that may be like, yeah, and then two, um, 
people with the orphan mentality, a lot of times they may find their validation or fulfillment through different passions, so different like addictions. So they may they may like they may feel insecure about about uh, not understanding God as as father. And instead of running towards God, they're running towards these false different things. So they're running towards alcohol, towards drugs, towards foods in some instances, and then immoral things. And then three, um, people with the orphan mentality, they may find their validation or acceptance through position. So a lot of times how this manifests is like, you know, you're, it, was, it was my testimony where before I knew Jesus and before I came to the Lord, and I still, you know, it's a wrestle, it's an ongoing thing, is that you, that you may feel that emptiness in your soul through having a title, through being the guy, through being really successful at what you do, through, you know, being the boss, through being an entrepreneur, being that person, and that's filling the empty validation in your soul that only God can fill. And then for um, people with the orphan mentality, they will fill their validation sometimes through power. And this is through being control in your life. So when, when we agree fully that God is our father and that God is our heavenly father, we agree with his leadership. Amen. So that means that we agree, God, whatever you want to do. And that's as earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you want to do, God. But when we live in a mentality of orphanhood, we don't believe that. We, don't, we, we like to take control over our life, and we like to take control over our destiny through different circumstances, through what we do. So that may be another thing. So if those four different things right there, possessions, passions, position, or power, are signs that there may be a wrestle with understanding, that God, understanding God as a father. So, um, point B, a person with the orphan mentality finds great difficulty receiving love, acceptance, and admission from God or from others. They have an especially difficult time when they feel like they have failed or believe that others have failed them. They live with a great emphasis upon their performance as a means to, this page, Receive approval and acceptance. So, yeah, that's, that's hard. Page four. This part right here is, like, super helpful. This little diagram that we have here. And on the left side, you have the orphan mentality. And on the right side, you have the spirit of sonship. So these are different ways that we view these topics. So let's go... Image of God, and this is page four. When you're living in orphan mentality, you see God as your master. You see God as a person just telling you rules. And a person, hey, move left, move right. You're a pawn on a chessboard. But when you, when you operate in the spirit of sonship and being a son, you view God as a loving father. And a loving father, he will give you direction he will give you, you know, he'll advise you on where to go, but he won't force you, hey, move left. Hey, move left or else. And that's the difference between 
I guess, orphan mentality and being walking in the fullness of a son. And then dependency. So again, on the left side is the orphan mentality. On the right side is the spirit of sonship, walking as a son. And that's our fullness, who we are. So dependency. When you're, when you're living in the mentality of an orphan, you live in this mindset that I'm independent. I need no one. That there's no one looking out for me, and I can get it done myself. And this was like a stronghold I needed to break out of, and I still fight to break out of. Where it's like, man, like this, this thing inside of me that wants to be like, man, you can get it done by yourself. You can push through. You don't need no one. And that is a sign of living in in orphan mentality. But when you're living in the sun, as a son, you understand that you need people. You understand that there's a need. You understand that you need God. You understand that you can't get things done by yourself. That, you know, I, I can't push through by myself. And then let's go through a couple other ones. Approval. So this topic of approval. When you're living as a son, your approval is totally found in the love of God, totally accepted in God's love. So something may happen and you're totally fine because your, your approval only comes from God alone. And that's what happens when you live in the spirit of sonship. But when you live in the spirit of orphan mentality, you, your approval comes from the praise, praise of people. And when, when you're living in spirit of orphan mentality and you don't believe that there's a good father, you're constantly trying to get your validation from people. And you're constantly trying to be like, man, I want the praise of people. There's a saying that it says something like, if you live, if you live by the praise of man, then you'll die by the criticism of man. And so it's like, if you like, yeah, I thought that was cool. It was this pastor. Um, and I was like, dang, that was good. But yeah, so true. When like your approval, if when you're living, when your approval is based on people, you as soon as people don't like you, you know, it's like it's like a chaos. But living in sonship is understanding that all my approval, it comes from God. And it comes, God is fully approving of me. But when you live in orphan mentality, you're constantly trying to fight for people's approval their praise, and their acceptance. So this is a cool little diagram that you can kind of walk through in your own time. And, yeah, I just want to say that this has been so transformative for me, walking in, in sonship and really studying this. So if you can get out your little electronic device where you have your Bible, let's, let's flip through Ephesians 1. And this is a really crucial scripture for me. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Yeah, so Ephesians 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3, yeah. Where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who chooses us in him before the foundation of the world, that we may... should be holy and without blame or blameless before him in love, having predestined us in adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, 
to the praise of the glory of grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So this verse is like super fundamental. Like if you're struggling to believe God as your father, I always try to go back to this verse right here. And the way, the way that you do is, look, so this scripture, it says that God, when he made the universe and when he made everything around us, it says that even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us. What does that mean? That means that before everything was made, before the stars were made, before the planets were made, before people were even made, I was the thought of God. That God, he had a thought about me. And that fights against every insecurity that I have, that I have no meaning, right? Some of you may think that you're purposeless, or you have no meaning or no significance. Scripture clearly says that before everything was even, anything was even made, that you were a thought of God. That you, that, and then what I do a lot of times in this verse, I insert my name in there. So before the world was even made, before it was even, anything was made, I, John, was a thought. God had a thought about me millions and trillions of eons ago. And that shakes me. It shakes me whenever I think that. And I'm like, man, like that's like so good. And then scripture also says, for those of you that are following, it's Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 6. It says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us, right? So he had a thought about you before the world was made. And then two, it says that it, he chose us to be holy. What does that mean? When, it's, when the scripture says that he chose us to be holy, the word holy means, you know, set apart. So before everything was made, before all the stars and planets were made, God, he had a thought about you, and he had a thought about you for you to be special, and for you to be set apart, for you to be that, you know, special person. And I'm an Enneagram 4, for, for those of you guys that know, so it's like, I like want to be special, and I want to be unique, and I want to be, you know, just, just unique. I don't want to be like anyone else. So this really ministers to me because, again, before the foundation of the world, before everything was made, God, he chose me, he had a thought about me, but he also, he also chose me to be holy, which means set apart. So he chose me, he said, I want John. And I want what John brings. And I want what I put inside of John and all his uniqueness and specialness. I, I love that about John. And that's, that's, that's God's heart as a father. God's heart as a father is that he's thinking about you. He made you. That before the foundation of the world, before everything was made, you were a thought of God. You were a thought of God. God had a thought about you. There's a dream over your life. There's a purpose over your life. There's greatness and there's things that God, before everything was made, just let that, let that hit you. That before things were even created, before any of this, before you could even see something, God, he had a thought about you. He thought about you. And that's, that is who our Father is. That's who our Heavenly Father is. There's, he's thinking about you. There's purpose over your life. There's, there's greatness that he's put inside of you. And he chose you to be holy. He chose you to be his. He chose you to be set apart. 
And then scripture also says that he made us without fault in his eyes. So what does that mean? It says before the foundation of the world, he chose us. He had a thought about us. He, he set me apart, and then he saw me without fault in our eyes. Some of us are viewing our are viewing ourselves through previous mistakes, and we're viewing ourselves through the shame of mistakes that we've made, and that's how we think God is. We think that God is this God that's constantly viewing me over cheating on that test when I was in third grade, over doing that stupid thing, and we 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 can't walk in the fullness of sonship because we're viewing ourselves through our mistakes. But Scripture clearly says that He sees us without fault in our eyes. Now, that doesn't give me the liberty to sin and do all this stupid stuff, but it, it means that when I choose him and when I run fully towards father and towards my dad, my heavenly dad, he's not seeing me through my previous mistakes. He's not seeing me for all my immaturities, right? And it's so easy for us in this age, you know, 18 to 25-ish, we can get so down on ourselves. Like, I am my worst critic, and I'm like, man, I really did some stupid stuff. And I will like, I did stupid stuff again, and then I did stupid stuff again. And then out of nowhere, I'm viewing myself through the mistakes that I've made. And I'm agreeing with what the enemy is saying over me over these mistakes. But God, as a father, he doesn't think that way. He doesn't see us through the mistakes that we've made. And Scripture clearly says, it says that he made us without fault in his eyes, that he doesn't see you through the mistakes that you've made, that you were you are, you are thought before the world was made, so before anything was even created in the whole galaxy, before things were even made, he had a single thought about you. He said, I have a thought about you. You're a dream. You have purpose over your life, and that I chose you to be holy, which means set apart, so he chose you to be special to him. And that he chose you without fault in your eyes. He doesn't see you for any mistake that you've made. He doesn't see you for any immaturity that you have. That that is the God's heart as a father over you. And then next what scripture says, it's Ephesians 1 verse 5. It says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. What does that mean? So again, I'm like leaning on the strong. But before the foundation of the world, before anything was made, before anything was made, think about how crazy that is. There's like, there's nothing. It's just darkness. There's nothing. And there's only God. And before anything was made, God had a thought about you. He had a dream about you. He had a dream to set you apart to be his. He had a dream to see you for who you are and not see you for any of the mistakes that you've made. And... He chose you to be a part of his family. That's his heart. That's who God is as a father. So he chose you. He said, man, I, I have a purpose for John's life, and I want John to be mine, and I want John to be my son. And that's crazy to me because this is the creator of the universe. This is the creator of the galaxy. This is the creator that made everything, the most powerful being ever created. This is the person that he is, the Alpha and Omega, and he chose me to be his son. He chose me to, to be a son. That, that was his plan. 
Before the foundation of the world, Scripture clearly says that God decided in advance to bring us into his own family through Jesus Christ. So that was the plan before everything. There was a plan that Jesus was going to come and he was going to give his life for us. And that the purpose of Jesus giving his life on the cross was that we would walk into the fullness of sonship. That all these lies that we believe about ourselves, about the orphan mentality, that one day, that when we turned our eyes towards Jesus and we accept what he did on the cross, that all these different lies that we believe about ourselves, the lie that I have to be perfect, the lie that no one likes me, the lie that, you know, I'm alone, that one day that I would walk in the fullness of sonship, that one day when I set my eyes towards Jesus, that I would believe that I am not alone, that there is purpose over my life, that there is greatness that he's put over me, and that he chose me to be a son. He chose me to be a son. This is the hardest thing to accept. The hardest thing to accept in just the Christian walk is that God is a father, and that he's a good father, and that he, he, like, he, he is a good father. Um, let's keep going down this verse. So, again, we're working through Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. It says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family through Jesus Christ. So that was his purpose. Before the foundation of the world, his purpose was to adopt us, to make us sons, to make us daughters. And then the following scripture verse says that it was, it was his pleasure. It was his pleasure. That was his plan all along. His plan was that we would walk as sons and daughters. And not only was it his plan, but he enjoyed that plan. And that was his pleasure, that it brought him delight to do so. And that means that it's it like God's not just doing this great plan for us to walk in sons and daughters just because. He's doing it because he actually enjoys us. And he's doing it because it's his pleasure to have a big family. It's his pleasure to see you walk in the fullness as a son. It's his pleasure to see you walk free from these mentalities that you have, orphan mentalities that you have about yourself. And, yeah, I just want to, I guess I want to wrap up and say that this, this is like, this is crucial, guys. And if I seem scattered, it's because there's so much. Like, there's so much just to cover through these notes. And these notes have transformed my life. And I'm not, like, praising the person that made them. I didn't make them. I added just a couple of different things. There's just a variety of different teachers. But, like, the revelation of knowing God as a father has completely changed my life. And it's one of the revelations that I just have to keep going back to. You know? I have to keep going back to it. And one of the different things that the Lord has, like, me and the Lord have been working through is, again, this mentality that I have that I have to go do things by myself and that I'm alone and I have to go do it. And somehow I've returned to that mindset in some ways. And I'm like, I have to, like, shut that off. And I have to be like, no, no. Like, I have to trust the Lord's leadership. I have to return back to sonship and trust his leadership. And I have to trust that he's leading me. And, yeah, again, I just, this is so crucial, guys. This is so crucial for you guys to know that he's a father. 
and it's so crucial. I would encourage you that exercise that we did earlier to, you know, when you think the word father, put a list and on the left side, write down all the good things that you think about father. Then on the right side, write all the bad things that you think about father. Now, it could be distant, it could be angry, all these different things, right? And those different things that you wrote about the negative side, those are wrong mindsets that you believe about God. So you may believe that God is an angry God, that he's angry when you mess up. You may believe that God, he's not really, he's not really here for you. You may believe that God, God, he's, you know, he's here, but he's not present. He's, he's here, but he's just like, He's just watching over you. He's not fully engaged in your life. And you may believe that God doesn't enjoy you, that he loves you, that he, you know, he loves you, but he doesn't enjoy you. He doesn't enjoy who you are, who your personality is. And these are mindsets that they alter the way that we think even about people. So we may think about people in a certain lens because we're, we're living in brokenness, and we're living through these mindsets that are birthed through the orphan spirit. So, you know, you may, example, you may do something, you may mess up in an area, and you have this mindset, you believe that God is an angry God, and you may mess up in an area, let's say I messed up against Kobe, and I may have this, like, deep insecurity, like, oh, man, Kobe's, like, so angry at me, he's, like, very angry at me. And because I haven't walked through healing in that area, he may be legitimately angry at me, but it's amplified like 10 times more because I haven't walked through healing in that area. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, like it, that's, that's sort of the way that our mind works. And I, I, I'm going through this journey like right now, and I've been going to counseling, and I've been like, like, it's just been so transformative for me. And it's like, all these different junk is coming up about, like, different things that I've, like, experienced in my childhood, different mistakes that I've made throughout my life through, like, a counseling that, like, it's not going to say anything to anyone, so it's, like, safe. Like, he legally can't say anything to anyone. So I was like, it's kind of nice. But I realized that, like, as I'm entering into, like, this next season of my life, being married and trying to get married, like, I have all these different mindsets that are wrong about me. And, like, I'm really trying to pull my best foot forward to break free from all these mindsets that I believe that are wrong. And this mindset that I believe that I have to go get it and no one else is going to get it for me. And I have to make my own way because no one else is, no one else is making my way. And I have to go grind because I don't trust in the Lord's provision. And, like... All these different mindsets stem from my false identity as living as an orphan. And the reason why I share this tonight is because, like, I want to I burn with you guys towards these things. And then, like, I want to seek the Lord wholeheartedly and get healthy together. Let's all get healthy together. Some of y'all may be very healthy together. Let's, like, seek, get healthy together. For real. And let's, like... Yeah, amen. Let's, let's all get healthy together. Let's all break free from these different demons that are trying to torment our minds. And let's break through, free from all these mentalities that are wrong about ourselves. And 
Let's break three free from offense. Amen. Like I like I I was sharing this to someone free earlier. Like I want to break free from offense, and I want to break free from offense that I have towards certain people. Like that's that's an awful way to live. That's not a way to live as a son when you're offended towards different people. And I want to just break free and like. I want to give this call, and I want to give this call. This may not be the best teaching that you've heard, but I want to give this call to like, let's, 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 let's go after it together. Let's go after it together. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode.